Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. At our house, um, we have the most amazing trees. Y'all like trees? We have trees on trees on trees. Like at our house, we have uh, pecan trees, two really huge pecan trees. We have peach trees. We have apple trees. We have lemon trees. We have so many trees, I got to write them down. We got lime trees, orange trees, pear trees, grapefruit trees, moringa tree. We're growing some stuff. We got some stuff growing on at our house. We've got dates. We've got grapes. We've got blackberries. We've got spinach, tomatoes. We've got cucumbers. We've got peppers. We've got chickens. So that if World War III happens, we're good. You know what I'm saying? We can have all y'all to my house. And I got plenty of food for everybody. I'll take good care of you. And um, But I was out in our yard the other day and doing some work and I started thinking about all these scriptures in my mind and references that God's word makes to sowing and growing. In, in, in verses like Galatians chapter six, verse seven, he says, he says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. In fact, let's read that out loud together. Ready? Here we go. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reap what he sows. So you grow what you sow, right? Tell somebody that you love, you grow what you sow. It's a, it's a spiritual law of the universe that whatever seeds in life you sow, that is the fruit that you will grow. But listen, if you don't sow, you don't grow. Tell somebody else. He's right. If you don't sow, you don't grow. Come on, tell somebody. He's right. If you don't sow, you don't grow. In other words, don't be jealous of my harvest. It's not my fault. You didn't sow like I was sowing. Don't be jealous of my harvest and the fruit that you see in my life. It's not my fault that you weren't sowing when I was sowing. Don't, don't get envious and bitter about the fruit that I grow when you're the one that doesn't want to sow. And then the next verse, it gets real. He says in Galatians chapter six, verse eight, he says, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction and whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. So as we begin today, this is what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself this question. But if you're going to ask yourself a question, you got to make sure you're honest with yourself. So the question is, do you live your life sowing seeds to please your flesh? Or do you live your life sowing seeds to please God? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word today. I pray that you would use me to be your vessel today, your spokesperson, your mouthpiece today. God, I pray that every word, every letter that I say and speak today is just, it's it's perfectly timed. It's anointed by you, God, that I am going to hide behind your word today, God, that you will speak to our great Impact Church family around the world. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say Amen. How about a round of applause for our worship team once again? Come on, these guys are great. They are great. Do you live a life of sowing seeds to please your flesh? Or do you live a life of sowing seeds to please God? The flesh or God? 
What kind of seeds are you sowing in your own life? By the way, what even is the flesh? What does it mean to please the flesh? Well, one chapter earlier in Galatians chapter 5, we actually learn all about this because in Galatians 5, starting in verse 16, the Bible says, so I say, walk by the spirit, somebody say spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It says that the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not able to do whatever you want. Here we go. Uh, verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Look at somebody and say, I didn't know God talked about orgies in the Bible. I, no, you don't have to do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, God talks about everything in the word. We just don't want to look at all of it, but it's all in there. And then in verse 22, he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong... Let's read verse 24 out loud together. Ready? Here we go. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So in other words, you grow what you sow. Are you pleasing your flesh or are you pleasing God? Are you sowing seeds to please your flesh or to please God? Y'all are quiet today. You're very quiet today. You guys good? You just worried that I'm going to knock you out today, aren't you? You just worried about it? So one of the most famous parables that Jesus taught on, it's called the parable of the sower. And, and, and he says this, he says in Luke chapter eight, he says, a farmer went out to plant his seed. And as he scattered the seed across the field, some of it fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it and other seed fell among the rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and it died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants and still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as it had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Verse 11, Jesus said, this is the meaning of the parable. This is what I'm trying to tell you, Impact Church family, is that the seed is God's word. And the seeds that fell on the footpath, they represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds that fell on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they have no deep roots, they believe for a while and then they fall away and they're faced with temptation. Verse 14, the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. I, I like to interject that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell this same parable of the sower. And in these two verses in Matthew's version, Matthew says in chapter 13, he says, Jesus told them another parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Did you, did you catch what I said? He said, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. That's why I've titled my sermon today, There's a Snake in the Soil. 
Look at somebody and tell them, there's a snake in the soil. Tell them, there's a snake in the soil. It's not a question. There is, it's not, hey, there might be a snake. No, there's a snake in the soil. And this is what he says. The enemy came, the snake came in, the enemy came in and he sowed weeds among the wheat. And then he closes out and he says in verse 15 of Luke eight, he says, and the seeds fell on the good soil represent honest, good hearted people who hear God's word and cling to it, cling to it. Cling to it. Say that out loud. Cling to it. We should, we should cling to God's word. Don't you think we should cling to God's word? Anybody in here at all excited about the idea of like clinging to God's word? Clinging to it. Not, not just kind of reading it, kind of, kind of thinking about like clinging to God's word. Clinging to it and patiently produces a huge harvest. So verse 11, verse 11, it says that the seed is God's word. I want you to write that down. The seed is God's word. And it says that the soil is my heart. So the seed's God's word, but the soil is your heart. And that's what we're going to look at today is your heart. We're going to have God help us examine our heart, the soil of our life. Remember Proverbs, it says, above all else, guard your heart. Some of you guard your password on your phone more than you guard your heart. You won't let anybody in your phone. There's no way in hell you would let people get inside your phone. But you open the heart up and whatever anybody wants to say, whoever wants to say it, everybody, you could, you go watch whatever you want to watch, look at whatever you want to look at, listen to whoever. He says, above all, (laughs) above all, guard your heart for everything you do from your life. It flows from the heart. In Psalm 26, it says, test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have some fun with this. Well, I'm going to have some fun with this. And we're going to examine the soil of your heart. What kind of soil is your heart planted in? Is the soil of your heart clean or is the soil of your heart contaminated? Is the soil pure or is the soil polluted? God wants a healthy heart, healthy soil. And in Luke chapter eight, the entirety of the passage that we just led, the parable of the sower, Jesus talks about four types of hearts. Let's look at these. Number one, the first type of heart, he says, is the hard heart. The hard heart. Say that out loud. The hard heart. Look at somebody and tell them, I think this is you. The hard heart. The hard heart. The hard heart. The hard heart. A farmer went out to plant his seed and he scattered it across his field. Some fell on the footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. And in Mark's translation of this same scripture in Mark 4, 15, it says the hard pathway where some of the seed fell represents the hard hearts of some who hear God's message And Satan comes at once to try to make them forget it. The hard heart. Seeds fell on the hard path. The hard hard path. The seeds fell. But the soil was hard. Yeah, I I heard you. Remember? The seed's the word of God. Yeah, I heard you, God. But I'm still going to do what I want to do. I got one person said that's right. Y'all should say amen. Even if, hey, is it true or is it not? It's not if you're living right or not. Is the word true or not? You can be all right saying amen, even if you, you're not living right. The, you Listen, I heard you, God, but I'm still going to do what I want to do. Don't. <laughs> thank you. You're catching on. You're <laughs> 
Yeah, you, you're speaking to me, God. You've been scattering seeds. I've seen them everywhere. I've seen a little seed here, a little seed there. I see it. But you know what? I'm going to just step. I've been stepping all over them. The, the, the heart is hard. God, I hear you. I'm just not listening. Yeah. I got a hard heart. How does a heart become hard? How does that even happen? It's not like you wake up one morning and you're like, dude, God, today, I want a hard heart. I want a hard, callous, stony, stubborn heart. No, nobody wakes up and is like, dude, I'm going to wake up a cold-hearted snake today. How does a heart become hard? How does it become callous? Because it doesn't happen overnight. I, I want to give you five quick things inside of point number one. This is just point number one. But five, five things that the devil tries to use to get your heart to become hard. A, he uses dryness, a dry heart. A dry heart becomes hard. Other seed, verse six, other seed fell among the rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and it died for lack. Can you guys help me out? Of moisture, because I'm going to let the video play, because we already recorded this, and I'll come back and preach to the next service, because I like interactive church, you know what I'm saying? If you stare at me and just, I just feel really self-conscious, like I just need, I don't come from this, you know, this, this super white Baptist type church, I'm more comfortable in the black Baptist, so I just need some, I need some people to amen, some people to holler, some people to shout at me, if you want to get up and run around the church when you get excited, I'm good with that. But this sophisticated, like, hmm, yeah, it's very <laughs> thought-provoking, Pastor Hearn. That's not my deal. <laughs> a dry heart. We know a little something about dryness in Arizona, don't we? Arizona is dry. The ground in Arizona is hard. Have you ever went out back and tried to shovel? <laughs> the ground is hard. It's so hard in Arizona. There's a, you call, there's a word for the, it's kleji. You get down under there a little bit. It's basically concrete. It's Arizona. Arizona's dry. And therefore the ground is hard. When your heart becomes dry, your heart becomes Hard. How does your heart become dry? Here's how. Because you turned the water of God's spirit and God's word off in your life. The hose, you went and disconnected it because you, you have allowed your heart to become disconnected from the word of God, from the power of God, from the spirit of God. Your prayer life has dried up. Your time in God's word has dried up. Your time in God's church has dried up. Some of you, you ain't been to church in forever. You came today on a great day. Cause I'm kind of pissed preaching. You know what I'm saying? This is like a new style for me. I'm pissed off preaching next week. It'll be love and stuff like that. But this week, <laughs> but I'm glad you're here. If today's your first time, welcome. We're glad you're here and we hope that you'll keep coming and get plugged in. Turn the water back on. Reconnect the hose. Let God saturate your life. You disconnected from God. You pulled away. He didn't pull away. He's like, well, I'm going to walk out on you. You pulled away. It doesn't mean you didn't pull away for a valid reason. You thought it was a good reason. But you pulled away. You, you have isolated yourself. When you get isolated from the church of God, the family of God, you're disconnected from the church of God, the family of God, you're in a very vulnerable position. A dry heart is a hard heart. Number two, 
is a damaged heart. A damaged heart. It got stepped on. Your heart got broken. The moment your heart is crushed, if you don't tap into Jesus, the devil, he's going to try to tap into you. My heart is broken. My heart got stomped on. It got stepped on. It got trampled. I got treated wrong. I got taken advantage of. I got misused. I got abused. I got betrayed. I was broken up with. She dumped me. She crushed me. He broke my heart. And listen, so now I have a damaged heart. And a damaged heart can become a resentful heart. And even worse, a bitter heart. You put up this defense mechanism. I hurt. I don't know about you. I don't like to be hurt. In any area. Physically, spiritually, relationally, emotionally. I don't like to be hurt. Nobody does. Right? You were so hurt. You, you got so shaken that you never want to go through that again. So you put up a defense mechanism. You go into self-protect mode. You start putting walls up. And those walls, they go up so high because you're in self-protection, self-preservation mode. And the problem with this is that what you think is self-protection is actually self-destruction. Because your damaged heart has now become a hard heart. Another way the heart becomes hard is a desensitized heart. The pureness of your life and what it used to be has now become polluted slowly over time. Because your heart is now desensitized. And a heart becomes desensitized slowly over time. Little by little, gradually. That's how it has to happen. You and I would never jump from zero to a hundred. We would go from zero to one to two to three to four to five. And eventually we find ourselves at a hundred. What used to shock you is now no big deal. It's normal. What you used to think you would never do. What you used to think you would never try that you would never have a problem with it's now normal what you used to think you would never do you're leading other people into doing it with you it's desensitized let me tell you something there's nothing I'm telling you today that I have not lived through myself I was in high school and I started partying. I started getting high basically every day. And I decided it was my life's purpose. It was literally my entire life's mission to get the preacher's daughter high. And I did success, baby. I did it. Thank God that person didn't end up going down the wrong track and and she's doing great now. And thank God. But I remember as a junior high middle school, I will never try Alcohol, I will never try weed. I will never drink. I will never, never, never do this. Why? Because everybody in my family line was either addicted or dead or in prison from drugs or alcohol. I said, I will never. Pretty soon I'm leading everybody to it with me. That's called desensitized. Desensitized. You become numb to it. But listen, here's what's really, really scary. You've not only become desensitized to the pollution of the world, you have become desensitized to the pureness of God, to the presence of God, and to the power of God. You've become numb to what God's even trying to do in your life. You don't hear his voice, but he's talking. 
You don't see the signs he's putting up, but he's putting them out. The conviction that you once used to feel, you no longer feel it. You're desensitized. You've become numb to it. And your heart is hard. Matthew 13, it says, for this people's heart has become calloused. Look what he says. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. That's a lot of people today. Your ears are closed and your eyes are closed. Otherwise, otherwise, they might see with their eyes. They might hear. They might understand what God has been trying to tell you. He has been trying and trying. But, but you're like the little kid. You got your fingers in your ears and you're, I, 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 I can't hear you. <laughs> you can hear him. You don't want to. You can hear him. You choose not to. That's a desensitized heart. Another way that a heart grows hard is a deceived heart. A deceived heart. The seed fell, but the devil took it away. You know what deception is? It's stolen truth. The devil is the father of lies. The devil uses deception. The seed fell, but the devil took it away. The truth fell, but the devil took it away. The devil turned it into a, a, a lie. And he stole it. He uses deception to steal, to kill, destroy. The Bible refers to Satan as the father of lies. It refers to Satan as the accuser of the brethren. Right? The devil, the devil is always making deals for you. Every day. I, I wish I could say that like the devil will make one deal in your whole life and just please don't take the deal. And then you successfully didn't take the deal and you're like, yeah, PT, I did not take the deal. Right? <laughs> Doesn't work like that. It's every day. Every day. The devil's making deals. He's a pro at making deals. He's trying to get you to see it the way he sees it. He's trying to get you to trade your birthright for a bowl of stew. He's trying to get you to trade your life's purpose for your own passions. He's a deal maker. His offers are limitless. He wants to convince you that that bowl of stew, it's more important than your birthright. He wants to convince you. Listen, he is desperately trying to convince you. He, he is patient. He's counting on you to make the deal. He's counting on you to get weak. He's counting on you to lose your patience. He's counting on you to get a broken heart. So he can come in and go, what about this? What about this though? Have you ever considered this? He is a deal maker and he is the father of lies, the king of deception. Uh, another way that a heart becomes hard is it becomes divided. It's divided. I've got, I've got one foot in the word and I've got one foot in the world. Divided. I, I love God, but man, I love the passions of my flesh. So I can have both, right? I, I love God, but I also love the things of this world. I, I love the things that... The things that are, listen, the reason it says the flesh and the spirit are in conflict, the conflict is us. Because I want that. You want that. Some of you in here, you, you, you're susceptible 
you have a weakness when it comes to alcohol. Some of you don't. Pastor Andre, he's never had a sip of alcohol in his life. Ever. He played in the NFL. You know. He's never had a sip. I, on the other hand. (laughs) And some of you, it's not your struggle, but you have a struggle. That one may not be it. That one might be it. What happens is we get pitched these deals by the devil every day. And when our heart's divided, I start justifying the one half of me that's in the world because I can't deal with my own conviction. So I have to make what's wrong right. Otherwise, I can't face myself. But guess what? That goes for every single one of us. It's not just you. It's me. It's all of us. It's all of us. So a divided heart becomes hard. This is why Jesus said, no one, no one can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. Two masters. I think we think of two masters like, PT, I don't serve two masters. I serve Jesus Christ. Oh, this is my king. I would never serve the devil. The other master is not the devil. It's you. It's your flesh. You cannot serve God and your flesh. You either love the one and hate the other. And so we get a hard heart. A dry heart, a damaged heart, a desensitized heart, a deceived heart, a divided heart, all lead to a hard heart. But you want to know what the good news is about a hard heart is if, if, if somebody say if, if, if somebody say if, if, (laughs) because what I'm about to tell you, it is predicated on the word if, if. You open up your heart, all of it, not some of it, not this part, but not this part. If you open up all of your heart and you let God in, he will give you a brand new heart. He will give you water that never runs dry. He will repair the brokenness. He'll let you feel again. He'll bring truth to deception. And guess what? He will restore your purity. He will restore your purity. Ezekiel chapter 36, it says, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Look at somebody and tell them we just barely got through point number one. (laughs) The second type of heart that Jesus spoke of is a shallow heart, a shallow heart, a shallow heart. The seeds of the rocky soil represent those who hear the message. They heard it. I heard it. I heard it. God, I receive with joy. Oh, I love God's word. It's so good. Isn't it great? I love it. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and they fall away when they face. Hello? <laughs> I just wanted you guys to say it. Temptation. My roots aren't deep. Temptation comes along, takes me out. My roots aren't deep. Temptation comes along and I'm done. Because my roots aren't deep. When, tem- when my roots aren't, when, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, it was February 20th, 1993 at midnight. That was a long time ago. Y'all weren't even born, some of you. You for sure weren't. Mm-mm. You were like negative 20 at that time. <laughs> February 20th, 1993, I got saved. I drank all through high school, all through high school, smoking weed all through high school, going to parties, not because I was an addict, just because I like to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was like this little, you know, like I was the star of all my sports teams. I was the point guard of my basketball team. I was the quarterback of my football team. I was the catcher of my baseball team. If anybody's my age, you remember when you could play three sports as a kid? Now you got to pick one, play it all year round if you want to, you know, try to play it the next. So when I was a kid, you could just enjoy stuff. Now it's work. Well, I mean, my, my, my best friend, he calls me. It's after I got saved. After. And he's like, bro, we're going out to this party. You want to go tonight? And I said, man, I can't. What? <laughs> Y'all remember the phones that were attached to the wall? Anybody remember? It was those kind? Because we didn't have cell phones. Like, you guys just born with a cell phone in your hand and think it's like, kids now, they're like four. I need a cell phone. And you're like, bruh. I'm like, bro, I can't go. Why? Because I got saved last night. Great question he had. Got saved from what? My response, I have no idea. All I know is I gave my life to Jesus Christ last night. And he said... And he, he's still my close, close dear friend today. He said, bro, honestly, that's great. I respect that. This is my running back. And he goes, just come with us, man. You don't have to party. Just come with us. <laughs> my roots weren't deep. Thank God I said, nah, I don't think that's a good idea. Because I made a commitment, and if I do that, I'm not sticking to my commitment. Because I know I'll be out there for about eight minutes. And then I'll be like, bro, give me a hit. When your roots aren't deep, you're weak. You're vulnerable. The, the rocky soil represents the hearts of those who hear the message with joy. But like young plants in the soil, in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. And though at first they get along fine, they're good. They're good for a minute. They're good. They're okay for a minute. As soon as persecution comes, hard times, tough times, they wilt. Young plants, baby plants are fragile. They're vulnerable. The rocky soil, it represents this heart that has no depth, no spiritual depth. It's spiritually shallow. You've heard God's word. You believe God's word. You, you just don't have deep roots. So persecution comes. Temptation comes. And when your roots are shallow, this is when the devil offers you his most enticing deals. I want you to ponder a thought. The devil makes deals. What's your name? Red Hat. Ron. Ron. The devil makes a deal for Ron. If the devil makes you a deal, Ron, there's a part of you that really wants, you, you really like it. He, he's not making, you, you're not like, hey, Ron, I got an idea. How about you go like cut PT's head off in the middle of a sermon? You're, you, hopefully you're not like, hey, that's kind of, somewhat enticing, you know, you know what I'm saying? No, he's going to, he's going to hit you where you're like, I mean, man, dude, right? The deal is enticing. When, when your roots are shallow, this is when he offers his most enticing deals to you because he knows you're vulnerable. He knows that you're weak. So he sends a storm your way. And when he sends a storm your way, the hard times come along and you get uprooted and you become what I call a tumbleweed Christian. I still love Jesus, but I'm a Christian. I still love the Lord. And you just go on wherever the wind blows. You end up on the grill of somebody's car. It's the shallow heart. And ultimately, the devil's trying to get you to replant your life into his soil. The shallow heart, it's easily uprooted. The shallow heart is that my time in God's word is shallow. 
My time in prayer, it's shallow. My time in church in his church with the family of God, it's shallow. My time in worshiping God Almighty, it's shallow. It's shallow. And this is incredibly frightening because it's not just about you being shallow toward God. But when your roots are shallow, it also means that the blessings and the favor of God for your life are also shallow. Because it's a surface relationship. Anybody have any surface relationships? Raise your hand. That should be all of us, to be quite frank. It's like a surface relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really know you, but I know you. But I don't really know you. I see you all the time. You know, but I don't. I don't know if I've ever said hi, so I want to say hi to you right now, you know? That's pretty surface, yeah? That's how a lot of people are with God. Hi. You know what a shallow relationship is? When you always want something. (laughs) When you only go to that person because you want something. That's surface. That's a surface relationship. God wants us to be deeply rooted. It says in Colossians chapter two, verse seven, it says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Shallow heart. The third type of heart that Jesus spoke of was a crowded heart that leads to a choked out heart. A crowded and choked heart. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. God's word has been planted in your life and it started to grow. But the weeds were there as well and they started to grow up with it and they crowded God out and choked God out of your life. The thorny ground, it represents the hearts of people who listen to the good news and they receive it. This is Mark 8, 14 and 19. But all too quickly, listen, he outlines it for it. Can you put this verse on the screen, uh, please? It's uh, Mark 4. I'm at Mark. Yeah, thank you, sir. Or madam. I, I can't see that far. I don't have my glasses on. So whoever's running it, I appreciate you. The thorny ground represents the hearts of people who listen to the good news and receive it. But all too quickly, he, he, he lays out the weeds for us. What are the weeds? The attractions of this world. Weed. Delights of wealth. Weed. And the search for success, weed. And the lure of nice things, weed. It comes in and it crowds out God's message from their hearts so that no crop is produced. Weeds. Jesus, Matthew 13. Jesus told them another parable. It's the same parable. This is Matthew's version. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came in and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Do you know what the most sobering thing about the weeds is the scariest truth about the weeds is that while you've been sleeping, Satan has been sowing. There's a snake in the soil and you didn't even know the snake was there. There might be snakes in the soil. You didn't even know they were there because the snake showed up while you were sleeping. While you were sleeping, Satan is strategically sowing custom, custom, Ron, custom 
weeds into your life while you're not even paying attention. While you're spiritually asleep. While you're not even thinking about it. While you got your mind elsewhere, you're spiritually sleeping. You didn't even know the enemy came. You didn't even know. You didn't see Satan come or go. It's because you were asleep. You got lazy. You got comfy. You got loose with it. And then you got surrounded by it. And then those weeds are now stealing your entire soul and purpose. While you were sleeping. You didn't even see it, but the snake been there. One of my first jobs, when you guys were negative 20, <laughs> and I was in my teens. Honestly, you might have been negative 30, just being honest. I helped build custom waterfalls here in Arizona. I'm a native. Anybody a native of Arizona? Some of you are like, I'm a native, but you're like 14. That doesn't count. (laughs) And you know, like everybody talks about like global warming and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, I remember being on a rooftop, 122 degrees, helping this dude do some, some roof shingles at like 15. You know, what's crazy is the older I've got, the weaker I've got. Cause when we're a kid, in Arizona, growing up, I played football. Like, you're in full pads by early August. I never remember going, like, dang, it's hot. <laughs> now I can't even walk from the car to the house. <laughs> it's <was> really hot. <laughs> but I, I worked for this custom waterfall company. We built custom waterfalls. And there was this mansion that we were building the custom waterfall. The waterfall was like $100,000 for the waterfall alone. We're building this waterfall. And it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's a mansion. You know, you got to be out in the middle of nowhere to have a mansion. And so we're working hard. God bless you unless you have COVID. We're... <laughs> and, you know, I found myself, I have to go to the bathroom. Got to relieve myself. And, of course, there's no porta johns or anything. And there's no working toilets inside yet. And no port. I don't even know why they call him Porta Johns. Anybody? If you had the name John, I feel bad because your name also means toilet. Porta John. But there's nothing. But it's the desert. I'm a native. Like I'm a dude. I said, I got this. I walk out in the middle of the desert. And would you believe all of a sudden in the middle of my business, I hear, yeah, no kidding. And I heard it right there. So I'm in midstream. And I thought, no. And I looked down and there was a rattlesnake right there. I don't know how I didn't see it in the first place, but it was right there. I mean, oh, the devil is a liar. The devil tried to take out my kids before I even had kids. I was like, oh. And I don't know about y'all, but I hate snakes. There's literally not a snake that I'm like, oh, that one's beautiful. They're all creepy. Every snake. There's certain things when you get to heaven, I'm going to be a God. So why? Did you create a snake and a scorpion and a spider? I'll throw that in there. And a spider. Yeah, exactly. And why did you give it be a stinger? I mean, they're actually pretty. Like. And so, you know, I 
backed out like as quickly as possibly as stopping going to the bathroom as I possibly can. And I went to my friend who's like working. You know, I'm like, bro, it's a snake. I'm, I'm peeing on the thing. And he's like, no, bro. I'm like, bro, I will take you to it. So I did. I took him to the half puddle of pee and the snake. <laughs> and he, he's like one of them good old boys. I mean, he just took a shovel and chopped the head off. I don't even know if that's legal. But I waited 30 years to tell the story just in case. I don't give me a friend in trouble. <laughs> you know what? There's a lot of you today. You're just going about your normal business and you don't even know that there's a snake in the soil. There's a snake in the soil. You better wake up or he's going to take you out. There is a there, you've been, you've been asleep at the wheel. You've been spiritually asleep. You better wake up. Ephesians chapter five, verse eight, it says, for you were once in darkness, but now, but now somebody say, but now, but now not this morning, not yesterday, but now, but now, now you are to live as children of the light, because now you are a light in the Lord for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth and find out what pleases the Lord. Listen, listen, find out what pleases the Lord. Stop finding out what pleases you. Stop searching for what pleases your flesh and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Nothing to do with them, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Wake up, wake up. Look at somebody and tell them, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Listen, if you're here today, if you're listening to this sermon, God, this is his alarm clock. He's saying, wake up. Stop hitting the snooze button on God. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Oh, sleeper. Do you remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was crucified? And he goes up with his disciples on the Mount of Olives. He tells his disciples you need to watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. Jesus walks away about a stone's throw away. And he prays and then he comes back. His disciples are asleep. He just told them. So he wakes them up. What are you doing? I told you guys to wake up, to pray. There's a lot of people, man, sleeping. 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 Jesus said to them, why are you sleeping? That's his literal phrase. Disciples, I just told, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. See, this is what Satan does. He wants you to fall to sleep so that you fall to temptation. And what are the weeds again? The attractions of this world. The stuff my flesh likes. What's attractive in this world is the stuff my flesh likes. I don't care if it's God's word or not God's word. It's stuff I like. The attractions of this world. The delights of wealth. Nobody can lie and act like wealth wouldn't be delightful. I'd like to be wealthy. That would be delightful. But sometimes... Having too much will make you have God too little. 
the search for success. Oh, if I just, I'm just going to build this business. I'm going to build this company. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm gonna, I just want to be successful. And, and the drive, you're so driven. You're so focused. You spend every ounce and every drop of energy on the, the search for success that it crowded God out of your life. The lure of nice things. Does anybody not like nice things? I like nice things. I'd rather not shop at Walmart. But I mean, I will. I'm not above it. But if I can help it, I'd rather not. The lure of nice things can end up running your life. And when they run your life, they ruin your life. So he says, you got to watch out for the weeds. Pay attention to the soil. Because the weeds will come in and they crowd God out. And worse, they choke God out of your life. And listen, weeds grow fast. You ever notice that? Weeds sneak up on you. You're like, dude, how did that weed get bigger than that bush? That plant? How? Because it steals the nutrients from the other plant. Some of you are surrounded by weeds right now and you don't even know they're weeds. You think they're flowers. Oh, look at the pretty flower that all just grew out of nowhere. You're surrounded by weeds. You don't even know they're weeds. You don't even know they're stealing your soul. You don't even know they're stealing your purpose. You don't even know they're stealing your birthright. You think they're beautiful flowers. My, my late grandma and grandpa, they, they, my grandma passed away last summer. My grandpa passed away like five years ago. They had this driveway. And, and one day I thought I was being helpful because they were like in their 80s. And I went and pulled all the weeds out of their driveway. All of them took me like the whole day I came home and my, gra- my grandma goes Trevor you the one that pulled all the flowers out of our driveway <laughs> have you ever thought you did something good but you really did something bad <laughs> the thing about the weeds is you gotta pull them out you gotta pull them out you gotta pull them out by their roots by their roots Because if you just pull it out at the ground level, surface level, it's just going to grow right back. You have to grab that weed and get the root out of the ground. What are the weeds in your life? It might be a friend. It might be a relationship. It might be an addiction. It might be a mental health issue. I don't know what the weeds are in your life. One thing I know, I pulled some big weeds in the state of Arizona. I've pulled some weeds that were hard to pull out. That I pulled some weeds, man. They took a lot of effort. I have pulled some weeds and I've had some of the biggest weeds in my own life that I've had to pull out. But you know what I learned? Is every single time it's worth the work. It's worth the work. And the fourth type of heart that Jesus spoke about is the fruitful heart. The fruitful heart. Mark 4, but the good soil represents the hearts of those who truly accept God's message and produce a plentiful harvest for God. 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as what was planted in their hearts. A fruitful heart. I want to ask if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we close in prayer today I was thinking about David in the Bible because it's crazy David was a man of God but he was a man of his flesh he was a champion for God but he had all these losses David defeated the Philistine, giant, Goliath. David became king, was one of the greatest leaders ever. David wrote most of Psalms, which is 150 chapters long. David committed adultery and failed miserably. 
And even after all of that, the word of God says that David was a man after God's own heart. Psalm 51, there's an entire chapter where David is crying out to God for forgiveness. And he says in 51.10 of Psalms, he says, God, create in me a pure heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Create in me a clean heart, God, and renew a right spirit in me. God, renew it, restore it. God, give me my purity back. Clean me up, clean me out, God. And the good news is, that's the kind of God that we serve. A God who brings us back. A God who brings us back. A God who doesn't care where we've been, how far we've been there, how long, how far out we've been. He takes us back. Like the story of the prodigal child. And he says, I'll give you a new heart. If you give it to me, I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new one. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and I'll give you a tender, responsive heart. A heart of flesh. To feel again. That's sensitive to the things of God. Today, God wants to give you a new heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Today, God wants you to open your heart to him. All of it. Not some of it. Not most of it. All of it. And if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that right now. I want you to do that right now. You say, I, I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender my will for his will, my flesh for his spirit. With your eyes closed, would you just lift up your hand right where you are? I want to give my heart. I want to give my heart. There's a lot of hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want to give my heart. I want to give my heart. I want to give my heart. I want to give every bit of it, all of it. If your hands raised, I, I just want you to pray. You pray, God, today I give you my heart. God, make me new again. God, restore. Restore my heart. God, create in me a new heart and renew a, a right spirit in me. God, I want to live for you wholeheartedly because you died for me wholeheartedly. Put a passion in my heart for prayer and worship and your presence in the church to be a part of the body of Christ, to help build your kingdom, not my kingdom. God, that I crucify my flesh and my fleshly desires to live for you to be resurrected in you. Father, we pray today, God, that you would have your way in our hearts. You would have your way in our, in our minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, God, we move out of the way. We move out of the way so that you can have your, have way. your way. Yes, Lord. Yes, have Lord. Yes, Lord. Way. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Have your way, God. Have your way. Have your way, God. I'll move out. I'll move out of the way, God. Come on, would you guys stand to us and let's sing this a little bit together before we leave. Come on, let's sing it. In. Have your way. Yeah, have your way, God. Have, have your, your way, way, God. In this place. God, I'm going to move out of the way so that you can have your way. I'll move out. Yeah. I'll move out of the 
Come on, come on, come on. Have your way, God. Have your way, God. Yes, have your way, God. Have your way in our hearts, God. Have your way in our minds. Have your way in our marriage. Have your way in our relationship. Have your way in our children. Have your way. Father, we ask that you would have your way in our hearts, in our lives. God, I pray that you would be with our church family today. Bless them with your love and favor. Protect them and theirs. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say amen, amen. Impact Church, amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.